Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs, and today we have Mark Abakin with us. And Mark is the founder and managing partner of HealthX Ventures, which he started in 2015. And HealthX invests in early stage health IT companies, which is quite a hot and interesting area. And it seems like Mark has a knack for understanding the future. Yeah, Mark also started Nordic Consulting Partners, which is an epic consulting firm, which uh, grew up quite quickly. And earlier in his career, Mark started and sold Goliath Networks. So Mark is uh, Mark's pretty good. It seems like you can see the future. So I'm curious a little bit how you know what he's excited about now and uh, um, kind of how he thinks. So and he's also located here in Madison, which is awesome. So where this is an in-person interview. And so let's get into it. So Mark, thanks for uh, joining us today. Yeah, Dave, happy to be here. All right. So I kind of told people a little bit about background, but maybe you can kind of walk walk <clears throat> us through. Sure. Before. Uh, Sure. So, born and raised my entire life in Wisconsin, yeah. one of those uh, wonderful flyover states. So, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, went to school at UW-Madison, computer science grad, and uh, since then worked for the university for a little while after I graduated in the Department of Information Technology, and then started my first company, which you mentioned, Goliath Networks, back in 1993, and sold that in 2001, and then started another one in 2004 called Bedrock Managed Services and okay. Consulting. And sold that in 2008. Oh, I missed that. So what was what did, what did Goliath <coughs> Bedrock do? So they were mostly uh, infrastructure consulting. Okay. So think of Microsoft back then, Novell, Cisco, Sun Microsystems, helping. Goliath was more focused on big companies like Harley Davidson and Kohl's and Kraft Foods and Northwestern Mutual Life that needed help, kind of deploying PCs as they were looking okay. to replace their mainframes and their proprietary mid-range systems. So it was. <clears throat> kind of all the rage as Microsoft was starting to take off. We were the largest Microsoft and Novell partner really? back then. So I was on Bill Gates' very first partner advisory council. I was on Eric Schmidt's very first partner advisory council, and he was at Novell before Google. And uh, <clears throat> so that company grew very fast. We were okay. the fastest growing company in Wisconsin over a five year period, grew to about 25 million in sales a year. Wow. Okay. But mostly just billing our time um, yeah. to customers to help them you know, figure out how to deploy PCs and deploy, you know, applications on all those PCs and manage those PCs and things like that, and servers, obviously. Interesting. Okay. Um, all right. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So a second company, Bad Rock, yeah. was similar, but it was for small and medium-sized businesses. Instead of charging hourly, we charged per device per month. So think of the cloud today. but. Uh, people still had servers in their own environment, but now you could remotely manage them. So instead of them having to hire, you know, an expert that was a web programmer or a SQL server or an email expert, they would just use us. So on a ad hoc basis, so it was more uh, per device per month, basically okay. like a thousand bucks a month for a small business, which was way more affordable and um, it could work because the internet was finally, you know affordable for those small businesses and reliable and uh, predictable and all those things. Okay. So it's like <coughs> Goliath, how, how did you, it, it's, it, you know, sometimes it's targeting the companies and <coughs> services, mm -hmm. it, you know, how did you get in, how did you start this, you know, getting into some of these larger companies, were you early on or were, yeah, 
I know you have to go back yeah. ways, but yeah. I'm just, you know. So early on, <clears throat> there weren't a lot of people that knew this oh. technology, and I had, uh, you know, networked like most people and knew people at, back then. It was IBM was huge influencer, and uh, the people at IBM eventually knew that I was good at this, and they'd refer me personally, and I would do the work, and eventually that led to, Mark, do you know anybody else? Do you know anybody else? And you just grow through word of mouth, wow. basically, and okay. it happened to be, you know, really good timing, yeah. where yeah. everybody, everything was taking off, and there just wasn't enough people that understood how to make these PCs work, you know, reliably. Gotcha. So. Okay. All right. Um, all right, and then I think now we're almost to Nordic. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so in 2010, I started Nordic Consulting. Yeah. So. Nordic um, today is the world's largest epic only consulting firm so basically bill people out to mostly hospitals and clinics around the country to help them configure you know implement optimize epic software and epic think of epic like um, Microsoft almost so hospitals they own roughly 54 percent you know they have roughly 54 percent market share out there so them and Cerner are pretty much the two big ones out there. And Epic being based in Madison has really put Madison on the map for at least uh, healthcare IT <clears throat> because of that. So they have customers in every state and uh, 10,000 employees strong now, about $3 billion in revenue. And I just thought so there were a lot of parallels to when I was doing my first companies. I was uh, I was doing Microsoft consulting. I knew customers spent seven dollars on consulting for every dollar they spent on Microsoft software. So I figured there was probably something similar in the Epic world. Um, and I also figured that you know being in Madison here, we'd have an advantage, actually, like companies in Seattle did with Microsoft, where. Epic makes all their customers fly here for their annual user group meeting where they say, hey, come here, we'll give you the roadmap, we'll tell you what's coming next so you can plan for it. And then they also have their best customers come here for advisory councils to say, hey, here's all the features everybody wants, which ones do you think are the highest priority? So having access to those customers when they're in town, I could you know, buy them a cup of coffee, go to lunch with them, build a relationship and say, hey, do you need help implementing that software? We've got some of the best and brightest uh, consultants and for me I was just gonna hire former Epic employees. Epic yeah. makes all their employees live in Madison. They hire you know the sharpest people from around the country. They do extreme vetting, <laughs> no, they do yes. profiling basically, yeah, that's personality. All I, that's all I interview right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway so it, it um, and the timing once again was great. It was just right before the Affordable Care Act was rolling out everyone uh, the government was giving uh, all these hospitals money to implement yeah, electronic yeah. medical record system and there just wasn't enough talent uh, around so what I was trying to do was say hey before you leave Madison you know try this consulting thing for a while since you've got a skill set that's high in demand you can make a lot of money and it might lead to your next thing you might end up working for a hospital it's a good way to yeah. kick the tires for both you and them and uh, thankfully it worked out well and and uh, so, how, how did you start? Did you bring on a partner with? Because you didn't know Epic. <laughs> I didn't know, you didn't know anybody there, or not no. many people. No, so I didn't. That, that's hard, like to break into that world. They, they have their own little uh, <clears throat> thing going on over there. They do, <laughs> yeah. So thankfully, I had to find a, a co-founder okay. that um, had worked at Epic, yeah. Yeah. 
who had left Epic for whatever reason, had done the consulting thing for a while and kind of knew what the competition was like. And then I explained my thought around it was being a different business model, basically being an agent for all these consultants and saying, hey, I'll be completely transparent. You'll get two thirds of what we charge. The other third will cover overhead. It'll cover employer taxes, it'll cover benefits. And I'll leave a little left over for the company to make sure it's you know yeah. around ten years from yeah, now, yeah. which it is, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. So. it did well. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I guess it is almost. Uh, it's going, yeah, it's been a while. And uh, so how? Yeah, multiple times you've mm-hmm. kind of a you, you know good times sometimes is luck, but you've done it like multiple times, so mm-hmm. maybe not as much luck. And so you know how? Uh, you know, what did you see with? When you started Goliath, did you kind of did you see the future, or more it's like you're really interested in Microsoft products and Novell, and like let's you know I'm good at this, let's just do it. And and same with uh, Nordic, like did you uh, sounds like with Nordic you had a sense that this is going to be needed and it'd be big. Yeah. But... <clears throat> so with Nordic, I knew that timing was everything, okay. and this wouldn't last forever. So there was a deadline; people had to get something like Epic implemented by 2014. So it was going to be a mad rush for people. So I had to find a way to finance the growth of the company that didn't rely on traditional methods, like didn't go to a bank for a line of credit or a loan. So one of one of the keys was using something called factoring. So think of like payday loans almost yeah, for yeah, businesses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So extremely expensive, but the benefit was we didn't have to get investors. We didn't have to work with a bank. We could grow exponentially. I built it into the business model where the cost was maybe 1% of the billable rate. and <clears throat> But that would allow me to seize every opportunity out there. Um, because typically you hire someone, they do work, they expect to be paid <laughs> yeah, you know, in money. two weeks, but yeah. it might take 60 to 90 days yeah. to get paid. So if you don't manage that cash flow, it can cause problems for a business. So for me, I could I knew I could grow infinitely as fast as the opportunities were out there, and all I had to do was make sure, you know, we delivered what we said mm-hmm. we were doing. Interesting. So, as as much a cash flow <laughs> issue as a, a demand issue, it's yeah. a good problem to have. Yeah. It's a great problem to have. <laughs> Everyone's looking for that problem. So yeah. So we, I mean, we grew, you know, 1.3 million in sales the first year, and then 13 okay. million the second year, really? and then 38 million the third year, and then 80 million and 120 wow. million. It just Snowballed very very yes. fast. And, and are, were there other uh, many other Epic consulting firms out when you started? Like so yeah, yeah. Were, there's oh yeah. There's tons of or, them because it's or back when you started. Back when I started, absolutely. There were a lot. Yeah, really, there were okay. there were plenty out there, but none of them paid like we did. They all paid basically what they could get away with. So they'd say, "How much were you making? We'll give you a 20 percent raise." for a base salary and then we need you to just bill as many hours as you can and depending on how much you bill we'll give you a bonus. Okay. So what I did was basically align the incentives and said the customer needs you to work you know 40 hours a week yeah. and if you work 40 hours a week you can get two-thirds of what the market's willing to pay and you know today the market still pays about 150 bucks an hour so most of these people are making 100 bucks an hour 40 hours a week plus they're getting all their expenses paid they're getting all their flights paid, they're getting their hotels, they're getting hotel points, frequent flyer points, they're getting all kinds of stuff. So they uh, they really liked that model because they tended to uh, make more yeah. and they could focus on making sure they did a good job 
and the customer was happy yeah. because the customer needed the projects to get done in a timely fashion. What typically happens is someone is working salary and they're like, you know, I'm late to getting to work because I had to drop my kid off or do this yeah. or do that. And then they have to leave early for some reason. It's usually always good reasons, but then all of a sudden it's only 30 hours of billable time instead of 40. And now the customer's like the project's behind, you know, and this way, you know, everybody just, their expectations are set appropriately and they're financially rewarded for the value they're creating. Oh, interesting. And yeah, so, yeah, I'm quite curious how you kind of took over. Because once again, being a latecomer, like, I feel like you'd be behind the eight ball. It'd be tough to do it. So it's mainly the transparency, you think, and the cash flow management. It's both now, those okay. those two things. What, what, yeah. the, the demand, the, the signing up new customers, that seemed like there's lots of demand. So that was... There was, issue. but you still needed to be transparent with them yeah. and you needed to be hyper responsive okay. because right. it's, you know, there was tons of competition. Yeah. So you have to basically move on their time frame. Yeah. So when they, when they're like, Hey, do you have someone? Either you do or you don't, you know, gotcha. don't sugarcoat okay. it. Gotcha. You know, we would, we would have plenty of people that wanted to work for us, but we would just say, Hey, it, it comes it's down not, to the customer. Yeah. And there was a little bit of a Darwinian thing there built in where the customer would get three or four you know, candidates that we thought were good, but ultimately the customer would decide and they'd usually pick the person with the most relevant experience yeah. that matched their environment, whether it was a children's hospital or academic hospital okay. or a, or an IDN or, you know, whatever module they were looking for, whether it was pharmacy or emergency room or whatever, yeah. lab type Makes stuff. Sense. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about what you're doing now with HealthX mm -hmm. and, uh, once again, it seems like you really picked an interesting industry. <laughs> and, uh, maybe uh, I see a trend, but uh, uh, yeah. So why did you uh, start HealthX instead of another? I mean, obviously, you know what you're doing with services backwards and forwards. Yeah. And so uh, which is a little different. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, why did you start? So HealthX, um, just quick backstory, is a $21 yeah. million dollar venture fund yep. focused on uh, investing in seed early stage digital health companies, people that make software for the healthcare industry. So very, very, very specific yeah, niche yeah. and usually the first institutional money for some of these companies okay. where they may have already have a minimum viable product. They've got a core team of founders that, you know, one's the sales marketing person, one's a great operations yeah. process person, customer success person, and then one might be just really good technically and understands how to, to solve the problem and build the product around that. Uh, but they're looking for capital and uh, people with connections. So at, at Nordic, thankfully, I got to work with some of the largest health systems around the country, um, met a lot of CIOs and chief medical information officers that are looking for um, innovative solutions to use, you know, technology, software to make things more efficient in healthcare. We all know healthcare is way too expensive. Yes. <laughs> so there's ways to use software to learn from each other, to help doctors and nurses hone in on a cure, you know, learn off of what other people are doing basically, um, which is the core of what Epic does. But there's lots of other niches. Healthcare, almost, almost 20 cents of every dollar spent in America is spent on healthcare. So it's huge, trillions yeah. of dollars a year, four trillion. So even a small niche is, you know, a billion dollar opportunity. Yeah. And it, what what type of uh, size investments do you make you typically in a company? Like in the first, yeah. do you do follow on rounds? Well, maybe I'm not yeah. that far, but cause <laughs> you started in 2015. Yeah. Course, you've been around a couple of years. We started, um, we closed our first round 
in October of 2015, made our first investment back then. So we've made eight investments since then. Okay. Um, we typically invest anywhere from 250000 to 500000 okay. out of the gates. And then we'll save um, cash for follow-on rounds yeah. where we want to make sure we don't get diluted. But you know, if they're showing progress and some other big VC comes in, uh, then we want to make sure you know we have a seat at the table and we can still help okay. them. And did you put a, you don't have to say how much, but a decent chunk of your money in? Yeah, I did myself. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm sure that investors like that. <laughs> <laughs> they feel more confident yes. if you're willing to put yeah. some of your own exactly. money in. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And so, uh, yeah. And can you tell us about the team a little bit? Yeah. 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 Yep. So, as most people know, it all comes down to the team. Yeah. Yep. You know, I'm uh, I'm a good talker. <laughs> But you need people to actually do the real work is what my uh, people that know me say. Um, and with that, I've got a great team. So I started off with um, someone that understood uh, the legal side of things, so from term sheets and how things are structured. Uh, and he also happens to be a former Epic person uh, that worked at Epic as a lawyer, so kind of understood yeah. Epic, but also digital health and worked a lot with startups along the way and great experience out in New York and other places. And then uh, another great guy who uh, worked at Epic as well, did some of the implementations for Stanford and other things on the RevCycle side, but he also uh, grew up kind of doing investments. His family did a lot of okay. angel investments. He ran the Wisconsin Angel Network, so he understood. He knew a lot of high net worth people. So yeah. most of the investors in HealthX, we have about 83 investors. Wow, okay. Um, so quite a bit. Average investment was 275000 Okay. Um, so anyways, it's, it's not like, you know, those people are out there everywhere and, no. you know, so <laughs> it helped having someone that kind of at least knew who they were and you could yeah. talk to them and give your, your value prop. And thankfully a lot of them believed in that we're going to be able to find some great companies, help put Madison more on the map around digital health at least, um, and get a great return. Yeah. And then, uh, the two, two other gentlemen full time. So we have a pretty big team for yeah, a small fund. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> I actually don't pay myself, you know, because there is the money doesn't work basically. But hopefully, you know, I'll be more than compensated yeah. once these companies sell someday and get my share of the return. And, and you're probably having a little bit of fun. Like, I have a yeah, ton of fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I don't know the way I. I feel like I won the lottery with Nordic, and now wow. this is kind of a way to to share a lot of the lessons learned, yeah. some things so I can help people avoid some of the mistakes I made along the way, uh, leverage my connections, yeah. you know, focus on healthcare and trying to make it more affordable. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully the healthcare industry, almost everybody is a phenomenal person. Yeah. You know, they're all good-hearted, they're all well-intentioned, and uh, so it's a lot of fun just to work in that industry. Do you help uh, your portfolio companies with uh, sales and a little? I mean, because you have such a good background mm -hmm. in services. I mean, I, I know they're not all service yeah. companies, but they all probably provide somewhat some services on top of their product. And yeah, you'd probably be a pretty good uh, selling board. Definitely. So all almost all of them do next to no services, though. Yeah. It's mostly around yeah. software. Yeah. But the piece that we can help them with, which is a lot, is there's their sales and marketing. Yeah. Most of them aren't the best at marketing. It doesn't come <laughs> natural to most people. Um, but there is a way to market and sell to the enterprise customer that I've learned over 20 some years. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but then also just basics with accounting, how to mm -hmm. recognize your revenue, how to track things, what key metrics should you focus on. You can get you can get distracted. You can waste a lot of time as a startup. It's a big experiment, basically. So you're constantly learning and adapting. It's helping them stay focused. Um, it's helping them figure out who their next hire should be and how to align the incentives, you know, to say, okay, how can you, you know, look for this type of person. If you can find this type of person um, and pay them in this range, yeah. then it works for you and obviously it needs to work for them too. Yeah. So it's just a lot of that um, coaching because we sit on the board of every company okay. we invest yeah. and uh, we are there to kind of give them advice and help them, you know, grow as fast as they can um, without, you know, breaking the organization. Yeah. Okay. And can you uh, give us an idea? Well, maybe talk about, you have eight investments, but talk about like maybe one, maybe one or sure. two. Maybe not Redox, but we're actually uh, launching Nico's podcast. Today. Oh, you are? So, okay. So they're going to, people know, sure. if you want to know about Redox, go back to Nico's. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, I know if there's another one that you, uh, so, oh, yeah. I mean, that one is doing sure. well, so if you want to talk about that one, that's well, it's, too, but, yeah. Redox it was our first investment. Was they're, first investment? Yeah, they're yeah. doing great, yeah. which is wonderful. It yeah. helps with our credibility. Yes. Um, and with them, I kind of knew them all along. I individually invested early on in the yeah. angel okay. round, so it was a very safe first bet just yeah. because we didn't have to do a lot of due diligence, no. just no. because we knew who the people were. and feel very comfortable with the, the problem they were solving and the way they were going to yeah. solve it and things like that. Another one um, that is great is Health iPass in, oh, in Chicago. Okay. So they uh, iPass like the yeah, Illinois exactly. iPass. <laughs> we all know too well anybody that's gone to Illinois and paid tolls. But um, what they do is they help um, clinics basically with collections. So as everyone knows, everyone's out-of-pocket expenses are going way up and the co-pays are going way up and a lot of these organizations especially the smaller ones that aren't hospitals don't have an easy way to collect that they typically say okay what plan are you on and you could be on a million different insurance plans yeah. and you go in for services and then uh, you know they get your information and then it takes them a long time to figure out how much you actually owe and nobody really knows it's so convoluted you get this is not a bill this is a bill so they found a very easy way to figure out how much you have left on your copay how much you're supposed to pay nice. up front what your eligibility is you know what the services yeah. you're coming in for are going to cost so you know up front as a consumer that okay this is what That's it awesome. is then they ask, obviously, for a form of payment, just like you would for a hotel or anything else or a car rental. You put put it on file, whether it's a benefits card or an HSA or a, or just a credit card. But now you've kind of uh, made it for the clinic to not have to deal with all these collections. Typically, these clinics only collect 65 cents on every dollar. So they're doing a lot of work, and then they can't track people down because people don't have home phones anymore. They don't leave cell phones. They don't have staff because they're like, okay, can you send in this bill? And people are busy. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I'll get around to it, but I don't have any checks. I don't, you know, it's just yeah. all, there's a lot of good reasons, but it's just a lot of wasted time and a lot, a lot of wasted cost for the health system. So they're growing exponentially. It costs these health systems nothing. Basically, mm -hmm. they give them a, a kiosk, an iPad. People check in with it, and then uh, they collect the payments. So 
Wow. Basically, it streamlines everything. They get a small percentage of the transaction, mm. and they take them from sixty-five cents of every dollar to ninety plus percent on average. Really? So. Wow! And when so they must be bringing data in from the the pair and provider. They are. Yeah. So they they wow. That's that, yeah. That, that, that's interesting. That's a lot. That's a lot to uh, figure out and to especially uh, yeah. politically. Really. Yeah, it's so thankfully they figure out how to do that efficiently okay. and find a way to leverage all the networks that are out there and bring it down to a small, you know, think of a uh, orthopedic surgery group yeah, or yeah. a allergist or a, even a dentist or anybody else that's like, I don't know how to connect all these yeah. networks. I, I'm not going to connect to Humana or Aetna or all these other ones out there basically. So. And so can you uh, kind of walk us through your thought process, like take us like, when did you first talk to Health iPass and was your initial impression like, oh, this is awesome, or was it like, oh, this is okay? Um, <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, I'm just curious yeah. like, how, and then, you know, how long did it take to close the deal and, yeah. uh, you know, what were your main concerns and due diligence? I don't, I can ask yeah. this follow-up, but I'm just kind of curious to think through like how you, uh, make this happen so we get I mean we get over 600 companies pitching us a year really they're pitching wait do they have like, any materials or are they actually just from to referrals okay. to accelerators to incubators they're, those are all inbound those are people oh, that wow. know of us because oh. there's not many okay. VCs that will invest this early around the country yeah. so the few that do get a lot of inbound okay. so we get a lot of uh, People saying, hey, we'd love to talk to you yeah, about yeah. what we're doing and see if it's of interest to you, basically. So my team, I didn't talk about the rest of the team, two other guys. One is a former Epic as well, but he ran vendor relations at Epic for six years. So he, he worked with all the product managers at Epic. So when they would get approached by customers and say, hey, do you have a solution where we can collect up front? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Epic would like, we don't do that, but <laughs> we know Health iPass could do that. Okay. So he okay. learned a ton about this whole ecosystem and all these huge strategics out there that did stuff that were additive to what Epic and Epic's competitors are doing. So, you know, not everything we invest in, you know, has to work with Epic. Right, it's right. just kind of alongside of it and you could replace Epic with one of Epic's competitors. Yeah. Um, so that's another gentleman on the team. And then the last gentleman came from Texas Medical Center, which is the largest collection of uh, health systems in the country. Really? It's about 25, it's down in Houston, and it's yeah. everywhere from MD Anderson, the cancer place, to uh, Texas Children's Hospital, to a b bunch of different ones okay. down there. Um, and they have uh, basically an accelerator, or more of an incubator, so they don't take any equity or anything else like that, but they help a lot of these startups flush out their business models and bake their business models. So he has a lot of experience working with these companies. He was also pre-med, so he understands kind of, and he has great relationships with a lot of the academic health okay. organizations around the country. Um, so anyway, so they they take usually the first pass, where they look at it okay. and uh, they kind of know what we're looking for, where we're saying, hey, we need, we'd love to invest in a company that's doing something about security and healthcare. You know, okay. so let's look for solutions around that. Let's find something around payment systems. So we did that. Let's look for interoperability. So that was Redox. Let's, you know, yeah. so they know kind of big picture what okay. we're looking for, and then, you know, they'll basically take the first pass and say, hey, is this business model make sense? Is this an awesome team that you know has all the raw ingredients that we look for in a team? Um, 
And then is it something that we can help? You know, we have a lot of connections with the health yeah, system. Yeah. So is it health system focus versus um, pharmacy focus versus yeah. medical payers device or focus yeah. or payers yeah, yeah, or, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Makes sense. Okay. So anyways, back to health I pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think that actually came in through Matter. So Matter yeah, down in Chicago, they have a lot of... Uh, uh, it's a great place for startups to go yeah. around healthcare, and they got a great ecosystem there. And um, they came in, and we met with uh, the founder and CEO, okay. and explained kind of the business model. And for me, it just seemed to make a lot of sense. Right away. And right. yeah, and the CEO was like a three-time CEO, so he had really? been, oh, yeah. he had done this before. Yeah. He had learned a lot of lessons, yeah. you know, that type of thing. Um, did they, what type of product did they have at the point when they talked to you? They still had a, you know, they had it all baked out, but they were still pretty early. Okay. So they were like 20000 a month in revenue, which is yeah, pretty good. pretty good, yeah. Uh, but, you know, today, over 100000 a month, yeah, you know, okay. seven months later or something. Really? Yeah, wow. so growing fast. How should they raise that? Jeez. Uh, Do you remember? It's I don't yeah. remember exactly. Yeah. It's a couple million, okay. I think. Yeah. All right. So. Well, that's... That's impressive. Um, and yeah, and how long does it take, typically take to close a deal? And what type of due diligence do you do? Sure. During that time? So yeah, it might take 60 days to okay. close a deal. Not, Could not be too, faster. Yeah. yeah, depending on you know how much work has been yeah. done, how much baggage there is, how old the company is, that type of thing. So if someone did all the, the legal stuff, the way we like to see it, you know, where it's a C corp already. A lot of times it's not. Yeah, it's an right. LLC or an S corp. So then you got to move it into into that structure in order for an uh, institutional investor to invest. Um, and then it's you know the all the things like going through their cu current customers, talking to them, and seeing what they have to okay. say about them. It's um, you know understanding the, the legal risks of any investment, how to mitigate those risks, if there is any. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. Um, and it's, you know, evaluating more the team and references and, you know, crunching the numbers to yeah. see if it all adds up, basically. Gotcha, okay. Because, uh, uh, well, you probably can't say, look, let's go and take a hypothetical. Like, if you, if you invest 500000 mm -hmm. and uh, let's say the, the post money, you know, mm -hmm. is that, like, 10 million or something because you know they made it raise two million dollars yeah. um what, what do they need to exit at in order for you to be happy so ideally <laughs> we'd like to you know go into everyone thinking we could get a 10 times return on yeah, our investment okay. knowing that on average unfortunately yeah, only one out of eight yeah. might yeah hopefully they all do something yeah. you know where yeah. you get a 3x or 4x or 5x yeah so you have to kind of do the math so for us you know we have to get in early and we have to get enough of a chunk where it's worth you know worth our time basically yeah. we spend a lot of time like every day i'll be probably talking to one of our portfolio companies which, really yeah, yeah which is just You're very hands-on yeah, yeah little nice. things yeah. but that's yeah you know that's what's fun about it yeah so interesting um and when so like with the health uh, I pass or another one, if uh, are they do you usually have to kind of like push your way in, not push, uh, <laughs> like sell yourself in, but uh, you know, or is it more that they are, uh, you know, they're very eager. Like if the deal's really hot, have you, yeah. Do you ever have to like try to convince somebody, or has that? I mean, you're so early, yeah. And, uh, that maybe you don't run into that yet, because. Uh, um, 
Not yet, well, thankfully. Nice. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, some of them, they are, but we're usually at the top of their list. So yeah. as long yeah. as the numbers work for us yeah. and for them, then it's good. We might have to convince them why we think the valuation should be slightly lower. Yeah. And they may choose yeah. not to. They may say, hey, you know, love you guys, but I'm going to go have with... Have you had many of those say... Uh, one or two. Yeah. yeah, one or two. And it's typically because angels might come in and say, yeah, this team seems great. We'll, we'll go in and invest at twice yeah, what it's worth. And, and at your stage, like yeah. the valuation makes all the difference, right? Because oh, yeah. If, if you go yeah. a $10 million versus a $20 million, like, yeah. you know, 10 times 10x that like 100 million versus 200 million like that's yeah. a big that's a big it's difference. a big exit yeah <laughs> most of the exits we're going to look for in the you know 50 to 100 million yeah, range. That's nice. that's so that nice. means we have to get in when it's three to five million yeah. pre-money yeah oh that's good yeah well then i mean then you're not really having to compete with the you know the the big vcs of course right i mean some of them are coming down to lower amounts but yeah yeah interesting okay and then what about the uh, Geographically, do you guys invest anywhere, or are you guys? Yeah, we will. So we'll we'll invest pretty much anywhere. We have two in Madison, which is great. We'd love to have more, but we need uh, we need some kind of accelerator for digital health here, or uh, something like that. Yeah, that would yeah. help to encourage people and help them understand the process yeah. and what it's like to start a company from nothing and make sure there's enough capital to get her off the ground and get the minimum viable product going. Um, but then we have, you know, Chicago, St. Louis, California. Yeah. So. Yeah. Austin. Yeah. Uh, so you'll go. Okay. Yeah. You, do you guys make the rounds? Do you, do you guys travel to the meals? We do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, and we're getting close to the end. Um, this is a little bit longer, which is a, which is fine. Hopefully it's okay. <laughs> and, uh, so you know, I was curious, I think the, always the biggest X factor is the team and yeah. the, how do you, uh, what do you look for in a team? Like, you're gonna to talk to them a lot, so you kind of have to like yeah. them probably to a point. They can't be yeah. jerks. Like, yeah. I mean, I, well, maybe, but uh, <laughs> and then yeah, they have some experience and they just seem transparent. Or what do you? Uh, what do you? Uh, look yeah, for? the main the main thing is they need to be very passionate. Okay. You know, because passion sells, and they need to really, really believe. Because yeah. if you believe, you can convince somebody else, basically. Uh, in what they're doing and what they're doing makes a difference and how they can help yeah. somebody solve a problem or do something more efficiently or save some money along the way. Um, so there needs to be part of that core team, the one person that's willing to be that head of sales uh, for quite a while. You know, I, yeah. I recommend until they're cash flow positive. Don't ever give up on that. A lot of people are like, I'm going to hire a head of sales yeah. and it'll solve all my problems. Yeah. No. You know, if, if it's your passion, you should be able to be the head of sales yeah. and convince people to do it. And along the way, customers will tell you how to make your product better, how to price it better, what your value prop is, how you compare or stack up against the competition. So that'll help you with how to market it mm -hmm. and how to present it. Um, and then, you know, obviously the, the operation side too, once again, is having someone that, that is like-minded. Yeah. Um, with that sales marketing person that can basically is really good at just creating lists and getting stuff done, yeah. you know, fast. Yes. <laughs> and then technically, obviously, you need to, to do that as well. And ideally, if they're all physically in the same spot, that is best because yeah. you can you can do that iteration really quickly yeah. if you're all physically in the same spot. Not necessarily. Most of our companies have developers all over the place. <laughs> they know how to work remotely today, yeah. Yeah. you know, with technology. 
but early on it helps to have some density there. Okay. All right. So now on the on the, the personal front, you know, you seem to have like good energy. So how do you get away from a? Or maybe not. I mean, now it seems like you you have a pretty pretty sweet gig. But uh, now, or maybe in the past, like how would you get away from a uh, work mode, or how do you uh, unwind and. Uh, um, yeah, you seem to enjoy work a lot. Yeah, um, but yeah, what would you do? So for me, I yeah. I do uh, enjoy running actually. I do. So I, I do like to get out, nice. and it allows me to just think. Yeah. And uh, you know, get ready for what's ahead in the day. So early on in the day, I do take off and try to go skiing out west at least oh. once a year. I just got back from golfing in Phoenix with my parents. Cool. I so. I do see him here. Uh, Desk that you have, you were hole in one. Yeah, those are strange. Yeah. That's that's pretty <laughs> sweet. <laughs> have you ever had? A, I've never had a hole in one. Um, so a little jealous here, but and that was I see that's that's awesome. And uh, have you had a hole in one since? This no. is two thousand five. No, that was everyone, so. first, <laughs> first and maybe only first time. <laughs> I'm just glad I I I achieved that as one of my life goals. Yeah, because that was pretty lucky. That is, that's, so. yeah. uh, all right, so uh, running and golf, and so. And you know, and what do you do throughout the day to like make your day a little more enjoyable? Do you, like do you have any like uh, habits or patterns <laughs> they do, or they I, uh, make you happy? Or I yeah. drink a lot of Red Bull. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a candy addict. So oh, I, yeah. I eat candy, <laughs> but I just like talking to people. You know, talking yeah, to a lot of the startups. I've personally invested in a lot of mm. other companies outside of HealthX. So being able to talk to them and, and get energized by their excitement. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then hopefully give them some advice that makes sense, that's timely and, and what, relevant. What do you do? I mean, you know, what, when you talk to these, your startup uh, portfolio, uh, do you say, hey, what's going on? Or do you say, hey, I've got this, you know, let's talk about this specific issue. Or, they're usually reaching out to oh, me they? okay, or they're right. just saying, hey, can I get a few minutes of your time? Um, okay. on this, 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 or this, basically. Okay. And other times it's me just checking in, like, yeah. hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Is there anything I can yeah. help with, basically? Well, and you bring up a good point, because with technology, it's so easy to like chat and email and not talk to people. Yeah. And so like, when we talk to people, it definitely gives like, you know, good energy, and you, I don't know, it, you get kind of a little buzz from it, and, uh, but it's easy not to do that and uh, pick up the phone. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good lesson. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think that just about does it then. Um, yeah, right. this is awesome. So I appreciate, Mark, your time. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for the time as well. So. And uh, it's good to hear your story. And like, I've known about you for years. Like, you know, I even went back to Nordic. and But I never really knew your whole story. So this is a, I appreciate it. And uh, I think uh, right. I learned a lot. So I hope everyone else did too. <laughs> right. Thanks for the time. Thanks for letting me be part of it. Definitely. And, and thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Flyover Labs. As always, I greatly appreciate it.